Harcourt Avenue was extremely popular back then. But like going into a building, being able to like feel how much life had been lived in there before. I find that's what's interesting about architecture is when architecture reflects the time that it was built in and also reflects like a specific set of values. It was a, a big, huge, gracious apartment. And, Great and, for um, parties. Yeah. And, and it was really a lot of the experiences that happened here that built a friendship that's lasted really a lifetime. Welcome to the Pasadena Project, Episode 6, This is the One. I moved in this building with my husband and when we were looking for a house or a place to live, um, I just fell in love with this building from like the terracotta shingles and the way that it's like a U shape. Um, and the sort of sense of community that it brings, because everybody's facing the courtyard. Not everybody. But this is Sarah Craker. She and, lived in the Pasadena um, from 2009 really to 2010, and again from so 2014 kind of to 2015. <laughs> about living here, and the space that we lived in was actually um, 6A. Um, it is pretty small, and in hindsight, really terrible but sort of like a great first apartment story <laughs> um still it was all very magical still even if it was terrible <laughs> um and i have mostly like positive glowy feelings about that time and then we moved back we moved away to ontario um so i could go to school and then when we were thinking about moving back Again, this building sort of just like called to me and I became very obsessed with wanting to live here. And my mom actually was the one who was like scouting for us before we moved back. And then she said like, there's this, this apartment available in this building. And I was like, let's do it. Um, this space was better, like space wise was better the second time around. Still a little strangely configured and all those things because it's an old building, but the magic was still there when we when we moved in. On the last episode, we talked about how the neighborhood around the Pasadena changed in the 1970s and 80s, and about how it became a much younger neighborhood. I wanted to understand this shift a bit better, so I asked David Burley about it. He's the historian I spoke with on episode two of the podcast, who told us about Thomas Sharp and the 1906 streetcar workers' strike. When apartment buildings were first built and they were novel, they, they were exciting because they were modern. They represented a different kind of lifestyle. They seemed to be a, a, a new lifestyle. Now though, these, these buildings seem to be exciting and appeal to people because they're not modern that they're historical, they have that kind of patina of age that uh, 
makes them makes them interesting and there's often a a kind of craftsmanship in them that you just don't see in modern construction so at some point there's there's a shift they go from being valued for being modern to being valued for being classic for being in touch with the past rather than the future. I got married very young and I think there's this like sense of maturity that you are aspiring to when when that happens what whatever time of life it happens at and I think moving into this old very mature building was a way to like emphasize that possibly um and maybe that naive naivete of this is a beautiful old building it has so much character but then not realizing that all that character comes with like all of the problems <laughs> and that that sort of um come along with having an old building and maybe likewise a, a mature relationship right like there are certain problems that happen later on that don't happen at the beginning. Um, and so it's sort of an interesting juxtaposition of the newness and this oldness simultaneously. David Burley hints at this juxtaposition too, pointing out that while the Pasadena was originally built for a wealthier class of people, today it attracts students and young people who are often lower income or working class. This anecdotal observation is also borne out by data. In the study by the city of Winnipeg of the Corden neighborhood that I referenced in the last episode, they found that the blocks around the Pasadena were the youngest part of the Corden neighborhood. 35% of the population in this area were between 20 and 29 in the early 2000s. By comparison, about 14% of Winnipeg's population are between those ages. The area around the Pasadena was also by far the most densely populated part of the neighborhood, about five times the density of the city of Winnipeg. And far more residences in this area were also rented, 75% compared to about 35% citywide. Although this may have made for a perfect place for Sarah Craker to live in her early 20s, she soon realized that there were some downsides. I think one of the things to recognize is the building has a history, and the history of the building is reflected in the renovations that have happened. So I imagine that the space we lived in was not always an apartment by itself. Um, and so our kitchen was in fact not even a galley kitchen. It was along a wall, essentially inside of a closet. <laughs> um, and we had like this tiny window in the corner but then the fridge had to be in front of the window unless we wanted to put the fridge in the living room. Um, the window for the bedroom went out onto the fire escape, but it was just like kind of strange because you could imagine that someone could quite easily like break into your bedroom, <laughs> you know, and, and these things that you don't really realize until you've started living there for a while. And you're like, oh, this feels actually not unsafe, but certainly like less safe than I. <laughs> If I was like really thinking about those things when I had chosen this place, I might have considered that. I was about the same age as Sarah when I first moved into the Pasadena. And like her, there are definitely some not so great parts of the building that I can think of. Like how stinking hot it got in there during the summer. Or the water that would leak into her apartment from the roof during bad rainstorms. But for the most part, I have wonderful memories. 
even if at one point there were six of us living in our four-bedroom apartment. Oh man, it was crowded. <laughs> I think that was like the first time that I was like actually starting to be like, wow, there's a lot of bodies in here. <laughs> but we actually, by like, by the end of it, I feel like we had it down pat. Like our morning schedules were like, if you didn't get in the shower now, <laughs> you're not getting a shower today. <laughs> this is Marina Jansen. She was my roommate for about a year in the building. Back in episode two, Marina talked about how the building's age and style was one of the things that drew her to the Pasadena. And although crowded, it was a great bunch of people living in that space. I think it was at our housewarming party, so in 2016. It was like the first time we'd ever officially like had a party there. The apartment across the hall from us was empty, and for some reason it was unlocked. Like, no one had locked it. I guess they must have been doing work in there. And we played the funnest game of hide-and-go-seek in an empty apartment. And so there were two apartments in bounds, and you could hide anywhere. <laughs> until someone got really scared and started screaming. <laughs> our friends began to affectionately call our apartment the Hugo House, and it became a bit notorious for the parties and shenanigans that would go down there. Honestly, what really helped is just being at the top of a fire escape and never locking your door. <laughs> People just wander in when you never lock your door. And it was a great place to have parties. <laughs> and the neighbors never complained, which was... We appreciated it. Even just the setup of the apartment, there's just like so many gathering spaces. There's just like, there's the formal dining room and then the living room and the hallway was so big for some reason that like, you could, it was just like, it, all of it was a gathering space. The group's notoriety only grew when the four friends who first moved into the building all got their apartment number, 9C, tattooed on their bodies. Whose idea was the 9C tattoo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so tell me about that. How, why, why did you want to permanently mark? <laughs> I think it was one of those moments when you realize like everything is so great and you just want to remember it forever. And like while it was happening, I'm like, I never want to forget this. <laughs> and so I went on eBay and ordered some needles and some ink and then convinced three other people to get tattoos, two of which had never been tattooed before. <laughs> and I actually, I had never stick and poked before, so I did it on myself first, because I was like, I don't know how to do this. And then uh, once it was kind of okay, when I was kind of okay at it, I sat everyone else down and they all got their tattoos, even if they were a little hesitant about it. <laughs> and so now we, I mean, not that we were not going to be connected for the rest of our lives, but now we're officially connected for the rest of our lives. Uh, I've been here 16 years now, and this, the current apartment that I'm in is my sixth apartment, which a lot of people really get a kick out of. How, why? How? Um, I lived in Calgary for a number of years. I was a man of two cities. I would keep going back and forth. Uh, as a younger this man. is John Schroeder. Uh, but I had we heard a lot from him in the fourth episode of the podcast. 
when he talked about his friendship with John Clark, the longest tenant of the Pasadena. John Schroeder also speaks about a lifelong connection with the building. In case you missed it, when he said he's in his sixth apartment, he meant his sixth apartment in the Pasadena. started calling me up and we had made music together in the past and started he started sending me a concept and I would say, oh, I'm way too old to, to be in a rock band. Come on, man. I, I, had, I didn't even own an electric guitar at the time. And so uh, he was very persistent. So I packed up everything in Calgary, finally got back to Winnipeg, and I loaded all my stuff into a friend's basement. And uh, the very first night, we went to Bar Italia. And so we were, our plan was to move in together and make music and record an album. And, so we had to have to find a place to live. And he says, where do you want to live? I said, well, probably within stumbling distance of Baratalia. He says, great, that sounds really good. So we met there where you and I met and we had a beer and then we started walking around in circles in the neighborhood, like up, up to Wellington, I believe, and turned the corner. And there, there was the Pasadena right away with a, a two bedroom for rent. It was $704 at the time for a two bedroom. And I said, there it is, man. This is the one. He says, dude, we haven't even taken a look at the the place yet. I said, trust me, this is the one. Look at this place. I just fell in love with it instantly. After the band broke up, John moved out of that two-bedroom apartment into a one-bedroom in the building. And when a four-bedroom on the top floor opened up, he jumped on the opportunity. That apartment that John moved into was actually 9C, John lived in the apartment right before Marina moved into the unit, and before I would later move into the apartment too. When I lived in 9C, most of the walls had been painted a boring beige color. But John told me that when he had lived there, it was painted in bright, whimsical colors, which only added to its appeal. If you want to know the colors, you have to go and buy the multi-fruit flavored chiclets pack. Those colors. Very strange pastel purples and greens and whatnot. The only remnants of that paint job in the apartment today is the door leading from the kitchen to the fire escape, which is still painted that chiclet shade of blue. I mean, it was it looked beautiful. It looks like it looked like a roadside Mexican taco stand. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed it, and I I think I would be. You know how you romanticize things? It might not it might not stand up to what I have in my head. Yeah, it would. It would. I love that place. I would just have to buy that blue paint again, get it matched from the door and then and then really rough it up. Life circumstances meant that John moved out of the Pasadena for a couple years after living in 9C. But he soon felt he needed to move back. After a couple more smaller units in the building, he finally moved into the unit he's in right now, about a year ago. It's the four-bedroom on the top floor of the A Block, directly across the courtyard from 9C. I really wanted, like, the old one I was in, right? But then the fourth floor, four-bedroom apartments in the A Block opened up, and so I took that. And that's the whole story, apartment number six. I'm here, I'm back on top in a four-bedroom. The only thing that would get me out of this one is that one across the way. So why, why would you want, why do you want so badly to move back into 9C? I just love that space. It's just, I love it. I love that little 
uh, landing on the back at the top. Well, there's that, there's that new building going up now and it really blocked a lot of the sunset that you get. But it used to be wide open. You could see the sunset for a couple hours and just sit up there with a drink, a glass of wine or whatever, and and, uh, and just see the goings on. There's, there's uh, Wellington, you can see who's coming into the parking lot. You can monitor everything and then and also those those stylized uh, door passages into the dining room and the living room. It just feels really great. I love that apartment. Also, the sunroom would would be the sunroom that gets the absolute most sun in this whole building because of its orientation to the south. So that would get cooked and hot in the summer, as you know. And it would just be an awesome place to hang out. And then that little little patio in the back. And, and the living room with the windows and, and, and you can like just looking out and seeing the elm tree tops and Wellington and that beautiful white um, uh, condo old one I'm sure it's a similar age 1910-1912 I actually moved out of the Pasadena in the middle of working on this project and I miss the same things that John misses about 9C the way it's nestled amid the urban forest of Fort Rouge, and the way it seems perfectly situated to catch the light at any hour of the day. The huge living room that's perfect for parties. The landing on the fire escape. The sunroom. If that unit opened up, John might have to fight me to get first dibs on it. While I've been working on this project, I have wondered if I might ever find myself living back in the Pasadena and I think it's a serious possibility. I mean, it's been done before, so why not? It's sort of like these strange two times of my life. Um, the first time was definitely a time of like discovery and um, exploration, um, briefly touching on one of the negatives of that space that we originally had was it wasn't particularly bright. So it was like, um, so it's sort of this, I guess as time goes on, it feels like this time of my life that's kind of shrouded in shadow, both literally and figuratively. But it was also like this small sliver that was my own space, which was which was pretty, which was pretty neat and special. It was nice to come back to Winnipeg and live in a space that was familiar, um, because there was a lot of other things in our lives that were unfamiliar. You know, when you've you've gone away for a while. Um, people change, people leave, and then when you come back and the, the social landscape, the physical landscape looks different, um, it was sort of nice to come back to a building despite some of the problems and challenges to come back to this building where we had once lived. Like, I will always think fondly, regardless of like, you know, the challenges and stuff, I think I will always consider this sort of a home no matter what. Um, and if it's still here and I have children or grandchildren, I'll be like, I lived in that building, not once, but twice, <laughs> for sure. And I think talking about that magicalness, even the name of the building, the fact that the building has a name <laughs> is like really special and that the name makes you think about sunny places that are not freezing cold Winnipeg <laughs> is also sort of this funny quirk, I think, of the, of the building and of the space. That was the sixth and final episode of the Pasadena Project. Thank you so much for listening. 
This project has been a year and a half in the making, and I am so thankful to everyone who has believed in this idea and who helped support my vision. Thanks especially to everyone who sat down with me for an interview. It's been such a joy to hear everyone's stories about this building. The theme music for the Pasadena project is by Bougie Belgique, and on this episode you also heard music by Chad Crouch, Gillicuddy, Circus Marcus, and Lee Rosevere. You can find links to all the music heard on this podcast in the show notes, or on our website, www.pasadenaproject.com. On the website, you can also check out photos and videos, the original plans of the building, links to the resources I accessed while researching this podcast, and a message board where you can join the conversation by sending in a story you have about the Pasadena. The Pasadena Project is supported by the Winnipeg Architecture Foundation. With funding from Winnipeg Planning, Property and Development, Manitoba Sport, Culture and Heritage, and the Winnipeg Arts Council. The Pasadena Project is produced on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabeg, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Metis Nation. <laughs>